You're listening to Wealth Tech on Deck, a podcast about the future of wealth management technology, brought to you by Life Yield. Here's your host, Jack Sherry. Hello, Wealth Tech on Deck listeners. Thank you for joining us on this special edition of our podcast. Today's show will be unique. Uh, each week, we talk with industry executives about their strategy regarding the future of wealth management. They often share their processes of how they are building their platform or their discrete capabilities as they bring the various elements together in what I call the confluence of digital and human advice. Today, we will talk with someone who hasn't just strategized about it, although she's done plenty of that, but has actually built an industry-first UMH capability. Very pleased to have Rose Palazzo, who uh, has been the Managing Director and Head of Financial Planning at Morgan Stanley for many years. Uh, it was just announced the other day that she is now the Group Head of Money Guide Pro, so I'm sure you're reading about that in the news as we record this uh, podcast. But before Rose moved on from Morgan Stanley, Rose led the build of a groundbreaking capability around retirement income generation. In fact, what she and the Morgan Stanley team built was a first of its kind. She will describe it in more detail, but uh, Intelligent Portfolio Withdrawals is the industry's first multi-account income generation capability. IPT, as it's known, suggests the optimal sequence of withdrawals from multiple accounts and holdings. Rose, my friend, great to have you back on Wealth Tech on Deck. Thanks for joining us. Thanks so much, Jack. It's great to be here. Now, joining me for this discussion is my colleague and friend, Steve Zushin. Uh, Steve and I work closely together. He's a Lifefield colleague. Steve and many others here at Lifefield work closely with Rose and the Morgan Stanley team for many years to build this capability. In fact, it's at least six years of in the making. Uh, Rose and Steve uh, will discuss, I'll, I'll join in from time to time, but they'll discuss how building this kind of complex capability requires teamwork with Morgan Stanley's many departments that were involved and touched this and uh, the many outside software providers like Lifefield. So it's been a real group effort. They'll talk about that and really the power of partnership. So we will have a conversation of what it takes to partner and build a complex ecosystem that breaks new ground and provides improved outcomes for all investors, advisors, and firms. So Rose, why don't we start with, uh, why don't you describe intelligent portfolio withdrawals? What is it? Absolutely. So I'm going to actually start with the broader sort of view of what we were trying to do at the time. And that was really to provide comprehensive advice to clients, uh, help our advisors do so, but to do that in a way that both enhanced advice as well as the client experience and the financial advisor experience. What a really important component of that is number one, starting with the client's personal objectives, sort of their personal goals, making sure that's integrated with the process and leading sort of the advice that we're providing. And another piece of that is being able to execute on it. So enhancing the advice and executing on the advice that the advisors were providing were two of the objectives that IPW, Intelligent Portfolio Withdrawals, really spoke to. One is comprehensive advice means that we looked across a portfolio. We understood what clients' goals are and what what that wealth was trying to achieve. And in order to do that or to provide the advice, we needed analytics and an engine that helped make it more efficient. We're talking about things with just the number of securities or products and accounts could be incredibly time consuming for advisors and something that they couldn't provide in scale. And two, being able to execute that easily once they generated that advice, meaning complete integration and connectivity 
to execution platforms was sort of the other piece. And intelligent portfolio withdrawals hit on both of those. That last objective that I talked about in terms of enhancing the experience for clients and advisors was really about how we chose to execute. So we leveraged a vendor platform in the background through LifeYield. We found a fantastic partner that could work with us in a way that let us control some of the pieces and then really leverage where their expertise were. So that that really hit on the objective of enhancing the experience for folks. So Rose, my mistake, we're so intimately familiar with all that you've built. We've kind of stepped over a big thing that we built in the first place together. And that is uh, the whole notion of the financial planning tool that you and your team built, the role that LifeYield played in, in terms of the asset location and the importance of that and how that wound up in your proposal system. If you'd sort of take us through that, because that sort of is a lead in to uh, intelligent portfolio withdrawals. So I kind of stepped over that. If you'd maybe catch us back up on maybe the preceding work and how important that was and how that all worked out. Yeah, absolutely. That was a, another big step in the process. So if we're If our objective was to provide comprehensive advice to clients that really put at the center the client's personal objectives, we wanted to leverage financial planning for that. And what we had found in the past was not that we didn't have planning capabilities or advisors weren't delivering planning to clients, but that it was disconnected from the rest of the process. So what would happen is a plan got created, delivered to a client, but when you attempted to execute that advice across multiple accounts and accounts or a portfolio where you may not manage everything, there was really a hurdle and a gap there, both from an experience perspective, as well as just being able to keep aligned to the plan that people created. So one of the first things that we did was to integrate the plan with our investment advice and investment proposal tool. And we leveraged LifeYield's asset location capabilities to help with that. And why we were incredibly excited about that is one, it addressed the execution issue that we had. When you start with a plan and multiple accounts and you're generating portfolio advice, and now you're looking at execution and you have to make that happen across multiple accounts, that can be a lot of levers for an individual to to attempt to churn. And so being able to sort of click button get advice at an account level that rolled up to that portfolio level advice that could be easily executed was an objective. And as I mentioned, we were equally excited about it because we were adding value to clients, right? Just by executing in a smarter way, being tax efficient about how we did that up front. And that was the, the beginning of the work, right? We started with these clients' objectives. We said, how do we get that executed? And that integration and being able to tell clients what the value was, was really important to us. And that actually led to the next step. So now when we're attempting to generate income from those portfolios, how do we do that in the smartest way possible and the most efficient way possible? So you can see kind of that journey. And because it's so complex and requires a lot of integration, we took it in pieces. So Jack, thank you for bringing up that sort of first step of executing the advice on that sort of implementation process. 
So thanks, Rose. That, that's great. Steve, I, I know you have some perspective on this. You know how to connect the dots on, on this stuff. That's, that's the biggest challenge, right? Coordination and how to make that work from accumulation for, from the plan that helps set up accumulation, which uh, has a lot to do with keeping tax and cost in mind and risk, and then uh, ultimately playing it out in terms of retirement income. What, what do you, if you could provide the, sort of the, your perspective, because you've been close on this, to, not only with Morgan Stanley, but many of our other clients. Yeah, thanks, Jack. You know, Rose said a lot of interesting parts there. And I think that the main thing that I zoned in on is that they had an objective and they knew the order of these objectives. And the first thing was to make the advice and a proposal implementable. And, you know, I think one of the one of the strengths of Life Yield is that we've always focused on partnerships where uh, we can really help enhance a proprietary experience. And uh, I think for a lot of the audience that's probably listening, Jack, the term integration is kind of vanilla, right? It's a little bit whitewashed. And this term integration can mean a thousand different things. And I think what a lot of people have gotten used to is a really lackluster experience of I get passed from one platform to another to do something that's maybe only one way, right? And now I'm left with this experience where data was shared that maybe got me to an answer I couldn't have done otherwise, but now I don't really know what to do with it. And so I I love, and I'd like to hear more about how Rose got to that point of really understanding how to leverage a partner to enhance that proprietary offering that she was building at Morgan Stanley. Uh, Rose, you want to dig into that a little more? I think I mentioned that one of our objectives was improving the advisor and the client experience. And there's a couple of reasons. Advisor experience is actually one of the things that promotes adoption of these tools. And in the past, even personally, we used the term integration to mean passing of data, right? So you didn't have to log into another tool or re-enter data. And that was sort of the definition of, of integration. And we really focused on something else, which is making sure that the workflow is one that supported an advisor's experience in a way that made the process not something that was too cumbersome and that made sense. And that sort of across the experience, not just going one way, but kind of going back and going back and forth, that things were connected and coordinated. And so you weren't being passed off into a different part of the platform and having to learn different usage patterns and getting caught up on maybe different terminology and things like that, which add a lot to efficiency for people, right? We get used to a certain pattern. Things are easier to get through. And what you can focus on is where you're adding value versus kind of getting over the hurdles of the platform. Uh, So we definitely took a stance that experience was really important equally as important for clients, meaning everything had to feel like it came from the same place for a client, that we were using the same terminology across the reports and the experience that the client got, right? So that they didn't have to learn a different term or learn a different graph, right? Like those types of things. Uh, So we tried to find a vendor that could partner with us in that way, where we owned experience. We drove some of that. We leveraged them for their experience and intellectual capital in that space, but we actually really partnered on driving what that what that experience ends up being. And the partnership is one where I know throughout the process, we would share with each other, right? So while we didn't want to leverage somebody else's user experience, we learned a great deal from that experience and took pieces of it that were really helpful to our own. And then we would share what our experience was just so that 
we could get the feedback and and some of the expertise that Lightfield had to provide. I'll push on that a little bit more um, because you know we talk to a lot of firms. We have a lot of different clients that kind of spread the the spectrum of the financial services industry, and you know the opinion around partnership, outsourcing, integrating with third parties. It's kind of all over the map. And so I'm curious because I know it wasn't just like you guys didn't jump right into this decision of, okay, well, we're going to outsource these capabilities to a third party. I'm sure that there was some push and pull even among your own team around whether or not you could build these capabilities or whether or not you should outsource them um, before you even got into partnering with Lightfield. How did that go? We definitely did a lot of evaluation, right? And I think for all of the sort of buy versus build decisions, there is a fair amount of evaluation that goes into that. Um, And I also think there's a lot of personal experience that people bring to that decision. So if you think about, I may have had past experiences where I integrated. So maybe there was a problem with the experience and I'm going, I want to completely go in the other direction. Really, at some point, you have to kind of wipe all of that away and think about what are the objectives that you have. So I know I've mentioned them a couple of times, client advisor experience, enhancing the advice, integrating and coordinating everything for those objectives. And so we shared those with the partners that we were evaluating and sort of evaluated their receptivity to give and take and sharing and push and pull and um, understanding that we had some objectives and personal thoughts around what needed to be executed. And so I think in that evaluation, just evaluating receptivity to that type of partnership is really important. The second thing that I think personally I looked at was that sometimes when people evaluate that decision, they're thinking about, well, could we do this on our own? And for me, you don't necessarily have to do everything that you could do, right? Like, could we do all the pieces on our own? Absolutely. But what do we lose from that? We lose some of the experience and the expertise and the the broader experience, right? Like somebody else can bring to the table. So it's not a pure monetary or capability decision point either. It's sort of the what does partnership bring to this that could add more than I could do on my own? So I would say those are some of the things that we kept front of mind. It's more than just the technology, right? In order to get these platforms to be used by advisors and by clients, it is about communication and training and how do we explain this to clients in a way that's consumable, a way that they understand the value. And so you can evaluate potential partnerships just based on the technology that they bring to the table, their capacity to engage in a partnership, but also that expertise that I talked about goes beyond the technology. What hurdles did you hit on when you tried to get people to use this? Did clients understand it when you put it in front of them? And that was a a big piece of what we got from that partnership as, as well, and especially being new at that component, right? So it was the first time we launched it uh, and did not necessarily have that experience. Now, could we have gotten there? Yes, but I believe that. But I do think what Lifefield brought to the table in terms of being able to very quickly have advisors understand the benefit, have advisors be able to share that benefit with clients was tremendous, right? And responsible for some of the early success that we had. 
So, Steve, one of the things you have as a part of your experience is that you've worked with RIA firms for a very long time. You were uh, one of the early uh, employees at Hidden Levers. You know RAs as well as anybody, as far as I'm concerned. So, you really understand their mindset and how they work and how they operate and so on. And then at Lifefield, you built up, we signed up something like 400 RAA firms to work with Lifefield. So, you understand the RAA and what they're looking for. And the RIA is, is a very independent advisor and is trying to figure out how to do this stuff. And a lot of times has to figure it out how to do it on their own. Talk a little bit about sort of what you bring to the table and what you've, in our relationship with Morgan Stanley, each of our colleagues that has worked closely with Morgan Stanley brings something different. You have that that advisor perspective of what they want and need and the, the importance of the quantification. I know as part of it, there's more than that, but talk if you would a little bit about what Rose was just referring to about how important it is that so those intangibles about that experience with other clients and other situations so that uh, ultimately what, what happens is you can inform as Morgan Stanley was going to build this capability and inform them to build a better mousetrap, if you will, based on the kind of experience that Rose has been describing. And I know you, you have so much of. You know, I think it starts A, with a partnership like we've been able to, to build with Rose's team at Morgan Stanley, as well as other teams. Um, it creates this force multiplier where it's really like, I feel like the most true and honest definition of a knowledge base. You know, one of the things that I learned early on in my career is that we've entered a new era of being open and sharing our knowledge where there was maybe a previous area where the value of, of a member of a team or an employee was what they kind of held hostage and it was their secret sauce to how to solve problems, right? And now we're in this new era where, you know, the value is how open how willing are you to share that knowledge and and really encourage and help others kind of know what you know and let that go out and spread across an organization? And something we talked about earlier, you know, that I didn't get to comment on is really this through a partnership, that collaboration, I think, is where that blossoms. Um, a lot of the time you think of licensing or outsourcing a capability from an engineering perspective is really this sterile, like we're going to access this algorithm to do this math. And it becomes this kind of sterile exchange. And I think that that's where buy versus build is like, we can build the algorithm, right? Like we can do that. But what we don't get is the insights of all, all the bumps and bruises that were occurred on, along the way of building and marketing those solutions that Rose just commented on. So one of the things that we learned in-house and that I brought to the table is that we need to answer the why. So no matter how smart the math is and no matter how better off an investor may be if they were to group their accounts and to follow a coordinated approach to investing their assets, um, it comes down to how do we answer the why? You know, in my experiences across our industry, we are inundated with information. So I need to be able to serve up that why right away. And so what we developed is a, some scoring methodology within Lifefield to really help boil down, like, is there value in going further on this conversation, whether it's coordinating accounts to improve asset location, how you're going to file for social security, uh, how you're going to draw your assets down and accumulate them during retirement. All of that, we developed our own way of answering that why right away. And all of those RIAs that we got to work with early on in my career, in my, in my journey here at Lifefield, um, we got that feedback so quick, right? And they helped us really fine tune that messaging around what's important, what's important to them, what's important to their client, how do you motivate those next steps? Because a lot of the time, clients are kind of left with like, hey, man, you talked to me about my R squared and volatility and this investment strategy and that investment strategy. And by the way, my probability of success in my plan is decent. I trust you. 
And this really requires that collaboration between the advisor and their client. How do we help foster that so that they can follow the guidance that we offer? So Rose, we've, we've talked about the plan that you built, GPS, Goals Planning System. We've talked about the asset location capability that uh, Lifefield and Morgan Stanley worked on together to quantify the benefit of uh, improved outcome during accumulation around asset location. We've mentioned intelligent portfolio withdrawals, and there's some stuff in between we probably won't get to, to on today's podcast, but what gets done around the ongoing management, if you'd like to address that, that's fine. But I want to get to the sort of the heart of the matter in terms of the recent development at Morgan Stanley that's called intelligent portfolio withdrawals. Why don't you just tell our audience, what is it? Why does it matter? And also, if you would, and I, I know you know this better than anyone, this stuff's pretty complicated and complex to pull off. Maybe talk a little bit about that and how you guys overcame that, that level of complexity. Absolutely. So uh, intelligent portfolio withdrawals as a, as a component of the broader platform that I talked about is really about helping clients and advisors generate the income that they need from their portfolio. So we're talking about multiple accounts, looking at cross holdings at a tax at a tax lot level, and helping to efficiently make decisions about what to liquidate in order to generate what they need, and take into account all of the different platforms and products that we have available. So one of the things that made what we did so complex was that we didn't limit what was in the portfolio. So this was open architecture if advisors were choosing to manage through different advisory platforms or brokerage platforms, we were really saying everything could be included. And so the complexity there was pretty incredible. And part of it is around, as I mentioned, the enhanced advice. So let's take into account things like RMDs that might be expected in the liquidation order of things, and then actually getting down to the transactional, what should we sell? And that's a combination of rules around what you should do, and then an acknowledgement and integration with what the platforms were that we were integrating with. So what's possible in a platform, uh, and how do we accommodate that in the advice that we're providing to clients? And how do we integrate with that so that you can click a button and execute, and we make that as efficient as possible? So that integration across all those platforms and products, accounts, was complex and required a lot of sort of evaluation and analysis in the, in the details and a great amount of partnership with LifeYield, right? So that in terms of saying, here's how advisors are managing things here, or here's how certain platforms work here, we need to accommodate that. There was a partnership where we could make enhancements or changes uh, to be able to execute on that. That's so awesome, Jack. I'm going to just interject real quick because I think one of the key things I heard is that you didn't limit the investment solutions or the products available on the platform. And uh, you know, I'll, I'll name a, an unnamed juggernaut in the industry had marketed a solution that is a coordinated withdrawal. And when it first came out, I was like thrilled. I'm like, whoa, wow, they're taking this to the everyday person. And then through a little bit, I didn't need to go that deep to figure out that to participate in that platform, you had to also be invested into a very narrow set of investments, which you know, the way that the industry has evolved and investors at will have evolved is now that these things are becoming available, the story sounds really great, but they're bringing a lot of baggage, right? They have a backpack full of investments that they've made along their career 
they, they can't just liquidate. So in order to get into the investment products, that's a hurdle that very few people can overcome. So I, I love the fact that you guys kept your eye on that ball and that we could help um, overcome that issue of whatever you have on any platform, we can work with it. And Steve, that that points to the conversation we had earlier just around how important the communication to advisors and clients is because it's difficult for clients, I think, not all clients, but if you're hearing sort of the story through a marketing message, what is the difference between these two things? If we're all saying, hey, we liquidate in it or generate income in a tax efficient way. And so how do we, in a concise, easily consumable way, let clients know that it's more open architecture. It doesn't limit what you can invest in. Um, it isn't a product on its own. It's a solution that allows you to invest the way that you want. But the communication of that has to be um, a focus. Otherwise, you could get confused that sort of other products that are limiting are, are doing the same thing for you. So let me let me take this uh, up a, a level for for our audience who I'm sure it's following exactly what is said because it's being said so well, but I want to underscore what, what these folks are talking about, both Rose and, and Steve, and that is that there have been a number of attempts over time to come up with easy solutions around how to grow your assets more efficiently and how to draw them down. Uh, who wouldn't want that? The challenge is that the typical household has multiple accounts, multiple custodians, multiple advisors, multiple products, multiple holdings, none of which are coordinated. Or, and, and if they are, they're coordinated with a particular advisor at a particular custodian, but they're not coordinated in the aggregate. And that's really this really where this concept of the unified managed household, which I should underscore, that's a destination. That's where the industry is going. We're on the road there. And clearly what Rose and her team and colleagues at Morgan Stanley built is a huge leap forward. But back to some of the folks that talk about this as a concept or as a marketing approach, there's a lot of that going on, has been for a long time, all well-intentioned. But the, the hard work of doing what Rose is describing is it can't be uh, understated. It's, it's hard. It's very complex. When accounts are spread all over, holdings are spread all over, asset allocations don't make sense, investments are in the wrong account type. So you have high yield bonds and taxable accounts and you have muni bonds and tax-free accounts. You can't do that. And we see that, unfortunately, sadly. It happens when we see the, see the data. Point being is people don't, don't really have a, an overarching way and approach. And really what Intelligent Portfolio Withdrawals has done, it brings it together where when you look at it in the aggregate, it suggests the optimal sequence of withdrawal, mindful of both risk and tax because Morgan Stanley works closely integrated into their their platform is uh, BlackRock's Aladdin for risk, a life yields uh, tax smarts, and that combination of risk and smarts, in my view, the two sides of the same coin, which if you're going to make a risk move, you got to consider the co tax consequence. As you pull that together, essentially, it's all in, in line with the idea of how do I improve outcome? Oh, and by the way, that's been ordered in. And lest we step over it and not underscore it uh, sufficiently, that because of all these holdings being all over the place, you really got to look at it in the aggregate and then make recommendations as the, the, the platform that's been developed between Lifefield and Morgan Stanley. By looking in the aggregate, we really are suggesting the optimal way to accumulate assets and to make a withdrawal. So, Rose, that was a ton. Did I get it right? You did. You absolutely <laughs> did. Steve, anything to add to that? 
Well, I mean, I would just ask Rose, maybe uh, we've we've talked a lot. We talk a lot about this concept of the UMH withdrawals as part of it. An implementable proposal is another part. But one question I get from a lot of the firms we, we talk about or talk with and partner with is where do we start? And my answer is always, well, what's the most important part to solve for you right now? And uh, you obviously chose the proposal and withdrawals. Do you see that work kind of ballooning out into the other arms of the organization to be able to help coordination across those accounts, regardless of the action of the client and the relationship of the advisor and the client? I do. I mean, I think that evaluation of where to start is an important one because what we're talking about is the entire wealth management process across an entire the client's entire wealth, right? So that's uh, an enormous body of work. And there are a lot of places that you can choose to start. And I think your point around your advice to folks is the is key, right? It's look at where the gap is for you now and what's the most important element that will bring the most value. And that's a, a good place to start. So if you've great usage of planning and it's an easy sort of connectivity to your investment proposal, but you really don't have anything to help clients liquidate. That might be the place to start and then continue to improve along along the way. But I do think the different relationships that we have with different advisors, so we've got branch advisors, advisors in call centers, we've got direct clients. You have to think about these capabilities for all of those relationships. Uh, We started in one place where I was previously, but that didn't mean that that's where we were going to stop, right? And I, I do think for investors, taking a coordinated view of their wealth is becoming more and more critically important. I think they're understanding that all of your wealth is connected And the two things, one, coordinating it and executing in the smartest way possible is just going to add a tremendous amount of value and ensure that their personal objectives are able to to be met or that they have the most options possible, right, when they get to that point of needing to make a decision. So, Rose, this conversation has been great and we really appreciate the time and I've learned a lot. And one question I have that I'm curious about is you've You've done a lot. You've accomplished so much at Morgan Stanley, and now you're taking this new opportunity and jumping into um, a new position with a new company. And I just really, I'm curious to know what you're excited about um, with this new with this new role. Yeah, Steve, I'm I'm excited about a lot. I mean, first, I'm incredibly excited about the new role that I'm taking on, uh, being part of the Money Guide team. If you think about that, that firm, they're an industry leader in financial planning uh, and delivering capabilities to advisors and clients around that. I've worked closely with Tony Leal, the president of Money Guide, for over 13 years. And I think they're another firm that is truly a partner to their clients. I've had an opportunity to partner with him and his team. We co-developed, we debated things, and really together, we're able to deliver some innovative capabilities, right, that's in their tool today. And I'm excited about what this means uh, for the future and being able to, to work with them. One other thing that really made me excited about this next role was talking to Bill Krager uh, and seeing his passion about delivering on an intelligent financial life for investors. And it's his passion and I think the passion of everybody at InvestNet to deliver on that and to put together sort of the pieces in that ecosystem that they have 
to be able to make that happen. And that goes to really what it means for clients and for advisors and, and some of the things that we talked about, Steve, which is now we're at this interesting point where personal financial advice really centered on a client's personal goals and financial objectives um, is more of a focus for investors and for advisors. People have a better understanding that advice needs to be comprehensive or at least take into account a client's comprehensive financial picture and that all of the components of a client's wealth should be coordinated. And so that really takes that type of ecosystem that we're talking about. Technology is at a point where it can support that complexity and scale. So I'm just excited what the role has in store, what we're going to be able to deliver and what that means for clients. Rose, I'm really excited for you and what you're embarking on at InvestNet. And I've been following closely. Bill Crager and I have known each other for a very long time in this industry. I've known Tony a long time. I think what Bill has been putting and continues to put together in terms of the talent, capabilities, there's a real movement afoot that uh, I, I find most impressive. And now with you coming on board with all that you've accomplished to date with much more to go, it seems to me like InvestNet has just about every capability you can imagine. And it seems to me that Money Guide is a centerpiece of that. And it also seems to me that it will all flow through Money Guide. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? It's pretty exciting uh, what you have before you. Money Guide seems to be, a, at least from my perspective, a, a cornerstone element of a, of a very expansive and re- very robust uh, set of offerings. I think that's a great way to describe it as a cornerstone. I think they have an incredibly robust ecosystem of products and technology and solutions. I think it goes back to when we talk about planning and money guide, it goes back to putting the client at the center. And planning is that place where you get a really good understanding of what a client's personal objectives are, where you can vet advice and see impact long term. And so it really does become the cornerstone of these discussions and and some of what we we talked about earlier around the concept of UMH or managing clients' wealth in a coordinated way. So I think calling that the cornerstone makes a ton of sense as it it really does put the client at the center of it. So one other observation, as uh, we've worked closely with you and your colleagues at Morgan Stanley for so long, we've all come to realize that you can't do a UMH, a unified managed household, without starting with a plan. Maybe you don't start with a plan. Actually, you start with data and a bunch of other things. But however you pull the data together, it resides in the plan. And from there, you determine how to go forward. But a plan without implementation is just a plan. And uh, my sense is, based on what you've done in the past and where you're going, really the focus will be around how to implement the plan, how to make it real. Do you want to comment about that? That idea that as an industry, I think, as individual firms, advisors have been delivering planning. But the problem that we had, I think, in the past is that it was disconnected from execution. Uh, And it was revisited less often than a plan probably should be, I think, more traditionally. Not to say that that's the case across the board, but I think as a whole, sometimes the plan was completed and you sort of walked away from it. And the type of integration that's required, an integration like we were talking about earlier, Uh, that's required in order to make that happen, I think was really the hurdle that separated sort of having the planning conversation from the execution is sort of what's the type of integration? How can we make it easier for folks to do that? I think the advice becomes more enhanced 
when you're connecting it to integration, right? So you really are vetting more specifics and you're getting to aligning advice more closely to what clients' objectives are. And then I think when you start to integrate with execution, the way that we determine uh, whether or not you stick to a strategy or whether a change needs to be made or how you avoid pitfalls, all of those things become easier as well. So integration of planning to execution and to progress reporting is just a, a big component of this. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, if I could underscore what you just said and frankly, where we started, what you and your colleagues built at uh, Morgan Stanley is the first and only multi-account optimized intelligent withdrawal process that exists in the industry. And as you well know, because you spent many years working at this is not easy stuff, but you figured it out and you made it real. Uh, so uh, I look forward to what you might pull off at uh, InvestNet. I think InvestNet, its advisors and customers are going to be uh, Uh, really benefit from the fact that you're the first and only that I know of that's actually pulled this off. So I I wish you nothing but the best as as you move forward. Jack, thank you so much. And to both of you, thank you for the partnership. It made uh, what we did possible. Really, it was just a team effort. Truly, truly. So if I may turn to our audience for a moment, one last time, if you've enjoyed our podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe or share uh, what we're doing here at Wealth Tech on Deck. We're available wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you again, Rose and Steve. This has been a lot of fun. Learned a lot as always and uh, been once again enlightened. So very much appreciate uh, the time and uh, the opportunity to chat. So uh, we look forward to the next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of Wealth Tech on Deck our ongoing conversation about improving financial outcomes for all. This podcast is brought to you by LifeYield and produced by Reverb. Subscribe to future episodes in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can connect with our host, Jack Sherry, on LinkedIn and Twitter. And for more information about our perspective on the future of financial advice, visit our website at lifeyield.com.